It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, we've obviously continued to cover what is unfolding in the state of New York. The Attorney General's report uh, regarding the behavior of Governor Cuomo. And while that will continue to play out, and it is important that it all has to play out uh, in terms of the process there, there, it leads me back to a conversation that I've been having with people across the country uh, really since uh, 2016 and even before that. And as we look at our politics in this country, uh, there are well-documented problems uh, as it relates to men in both political parties. And I, I actually think both parties have a potential man problem. We often talk about the women problem of political parties. Uh, let's talk about the man problem for a minute. In particular, good men, <laughs> married men, men of faith, young men across the country, they're, they're all reassessing their association with political parties, political parties that often don't represent them and often cast them into the abyss of the dumbed-down American male. And so as we watch things happen, like in New York, or things that we have witnessed uh, with men in power, there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of men from every region of the country and every walk of life, every background, every faith, every political leading. And when I ask them uh, about how does, how does this play with you when we continue to let men on both sides of the aisle get away with reprehensible behavior toward women? And it's interesting. Uh, many of them just react with disgust and disdain. Uh, they're dismayed by this kind of behavior, that it can be passed off somehow as boys being boys or locker room chatter or whatever it may be. The men that I've been talking to reject that argument. Uh, in fact, they actually find it quite offensive. They take offense at being lumped in with a group that they see not as boys being boys, but as men being far less than decent, even less than human. And then the conversation always shifts uh, without fail. They start talking about the great, the good, the virtuous men who've made a difference in their lives. Good dads, good brothers and uncles, bosses, mentors, coaches, and friends. Uh, they speak of men who taught them, uh, not just by their words, but by their actions, what it means. What it means to really be a man and how they should treat every man, every woman, every child they should meet. Often they describe men who recognize women as their equals, who work hard, coach Little League, attend school concerts, serve in the community, uh, take time to demonstrate what real men are and what real men do. And the interesting thing to me is that as I have had these conversations with men across the country again over the last decade, there was always kind of this underlying message 
when we would talk about what it means to really elevate and to properly treat everybody. As I said, women, men, children, everyone. And without fail, these men would say to me, you know what, we're, we're not alone. There, there's actually tens of millions of men around this country who are appalled by the kind of behavior that we have heard about coming out of the governor's office in New York, the President Trump administration, Bill Clinton administration. Uh, pick your pick your poison. Pick your political party. Uh, there's enough and to spare, sadly. And the reason I share all of this is that a lot of these men are saying, you know what, I refuse to be lumped into that lot. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's certainly not acceptable in my house or with my children. And that's where I get a little bit worried because a lot of them have started to disconnect from the political process. In other words, they're abdicating their position to be a voice, to have a vote, to raise the expectations that we should have on people in political office, especially men. And there are a lot of men who, granted, have gone to the lowest common denominator. Why? Because we keep serving it up. <laughs> uh, rarely is there a television show, rarely is there a movie that really shows the better side, the noble side, the high-impact side uh, of what men can do and what men should do. And so we should never settle we should never settle, especially for those elected to high office, to behavior that is less than noble. Uh, and we should also, by the way, never underestimate the impact of all those other men, those good men, those great men, those high-impact men. Uh, I know personally my life's been blessed by an army of them. I'm, certainly your, I'm certain yours have too. And so I, I'm always reminded of uh, something that Edmund Burke said, and it's, it's sort of the, uh, the opposite is also true. Uh, he said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I would flip that script and say that if you do something, that's where change begins. That's where improvement begins. And so when it comes to political parties, again, I don't care which uh, side of the aisle you fall on or where you fall on the spectrum. we, we got to expect more. Uh, we cannot, we cannot, we must not succumb to just dumbing things down and lowering our expectations to the point that we have no expectations, especially of those that are elected to high office. Being elected to high office is a great privilege that comes and should come with very high standards, very high expectations, and a whole lot of accountability when it comes to behavior, not just in winning political battles or scoring political points or amassing wealth and fortune, but what's the moral impact? And where's that conversation going to be? And so I do think there is a political man problem going on. Uh, and as long as we continue to allow those men who choose to behave badly to continue 
to lead and hold high office, irrespective of facts, irrespective of evidence. And again, this this is not a left-right issue. This is a society issue. And are we willing, as a society, we talked about this yesterday, you know, are we going to succumb to the to the Dennis Rodman syndrome of, yeah, he's awful, he's horrible, he's terrible, but you know what, his policies are okay, and he's my Dennis Rodman, so, you know, I'll look the other way. I'll shrug my shoulders and say, well, that's politics as usual. Politics as usual only happens when we, the people, accept it as usual. The challenge is for us to be unusual, to get used to different, to say, not not in my neighborhood, not on my watch, not in my home, not in my political party, whatever that party may be. And until we're willing to have that uncomfortable conversation, we're going to keep having this conversation, which is that those who are wealthy and well-connected, those who are in high office or have political power, will not be held accountable. Now, in saying that those in high office should be held accountable, I am also saying that we all have to be accountable. And this goes back to a discussion we've been having all day today here on KSL News Radio, and that is whether it comes to inappropriate activity and advances and abuse, uh, or whether it's dealing with vaccines and masks and everything else, to what kind of rhetoric we're putting out, what kind of messages we're communicating on our social media and in our conversations in our neighborhoods and at our city council meetings, we all have to look in the mirror. It is the person in the glass. Uh, It's not the elected representative that we have to look to for these kinds of principles. We've got to look at ourselves and then talk with each other. It's time for a different kind of conversation. Let's get at it. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out to the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.